Welcome back to the Swiss Sports Show. Uh, we haven't talked about football for a little minute, so let's dive right back into it. Breaking news out of today was J.J. Watt signing with the Arizona Cardinals for two years, $30 million, 23 of which is guaranteed. Uh, I also want to dive into the quarterback rumors surrounding Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson, Jimmy Garoppolo, Mariota, and maybe even others. But yeah, last episode was our first edition of the mock draft. Uh, if you guys didn't check that out yet, please do so. Let me know what you think. Um, share with your friends and continue to subscribe. Uh, obviously, this is a podcast, so you don't like and comment. But without further ado, let's get right into it. J.J. Watt going to the Cardinals is massive news. Uh, for a team that finished, I believe, 8-8 eight and eight or 7-9 and nine last year, uh, where a lot of people picked them as a sleeper playoff team while they did improve i think they did fall short of many people's expectations and that was largely due to the lackluster defense but also holes on the offense now i think a lot of people are questioning you already have chandler jones and you have hassan reddick who's coming off a career high year isn't jj watt just doubling down on what you already have and not attacking what you need i couldn't disagree more Maintaining a dominant pass rush opens up the entirety of a defense. Take the New Orleans Saints for example. They've had a decent, they've had a really good decent uh, defense statistically for the last couple years now, but the personnel for the secondary has not always been inspiring. Marshawn Lattimore is a pretty good cornerback up until this year, but aside from him, there weren't really many great corners on that team. Janoris Jenkins can create turnovers, but often falls short in coverage and gets blown by by the other receivers. As far as the safeties go, you had the two PJ Williams, uh, Marcus Williams, and also Malcolm Jenkins. And Malcolm Jenkins, I believe, is coming off his worst season. And while Marcus Williams is a good player, he's not exactly you know, elite or what his PFF grade and, you know, just how people rank him, it might be a bit of an overstatement is what I'm trying to say. And a lot of this stems from the Saints' dominant pass rush, which has been established by Cam Jordan, Marcus Davenport, and usually they have a third rotational defensive end in the mix. And last year, that was Troy Hendrickson, who reached double-digit sacks. A pass rush that can consistently bring pressure to the defense and create havoc on the interior opens up things for the defense in order to alleviate the pressure off your secondary per se or even your linebackers when they're in coverage and of course even in the run game when your offensive line is getting beat or when the offensive line is getting beat by your pass rush or by just like your um, edge line and your just D line in general that's dominating up front. And that's what the Cardinals potentially have with a dominant duo of Chandler Jones and J.J. Watt on each side. This is going to be a unique duo, and I believe they can shift Hassan Reddick back into the offense, uh, sorry, not offense, outside linebacker position. And next year, they'll probably get Corey Peters back, who has been a serviceable nose tackle for most of his career. And I think this defense now becomes a little bit more interesting. I still think they're pieces away. They have decent linebacker corps with Jordan Hicks, 
uh, Devondre Campbell, Kennard, and of course Isaiah Simmons. But the secondary is where I think the main problems lie. Patrick Peterson is unlikely to be returning uh, next season with a pretty significant salary hit. But I do think that there are still many lackluster pieces on the secondary with Chris Banjo and Buda Baker as their safeties. And I'm a big fan of Buda Baker. I think he is the best player in the secondary. But you can't have him be the only, I'd say, good player. Byron Murphy was touted as someone with a lot of potential. Uh, I think he's been up and down. I think he's still going to turn out to be a decent cornerback. But, you know, you can't rely on someone finding their potential. You have to capitalize while you can. And apart, aside from that, like the other pieces are Drake Kirkpatrick, Robert Alford, uh, Jalen Thompson, Deontay Thompson, who I liked out of Alabama. But for the most part, it's just a bunch of journeymen, veterans um, that really just, they're just average. But with a dominant pass rush, I think they could... You could hide the fact that they're average and really make up for it by bringing pressure to the quarterback at all time. And I know I just said this, but I really just want to highlight the importance of that. I mean, we've seen how easy the Bucks corners had it, and I don't want to take anything away from them because they played sensational. But being so young and inexperienced and then being able to do what they did in the postseason and in the latter half of the season... Largely stem from the fact that the Bucks' pass rush was so far dominant that you know there were a bunch of bad throws that the that the secondary can capitalize off of. There were a bunch of 50-50 balls that the Bucks' uh, defense or secondary was able to create into turnovers. And again, that's not to take away from them because guys like Carlton Davis, uh, Jamel Dean, and Antoine Winfield played played sensational football. But it definitely was easier for them to adjust to the growing curve with this um, renegotiated, uh, re-energized pass rush. Sorry, just forgetting my words today. And um, so aside from these veteran Germany men, guys, I think they do look to address the cornerback position in the draft. Whether that be in round one or round two, I do predict it will come earlier rather than later. Uh, Isaiah Simmons is the most... um, Unique player on this defense to me. Now, if you guys remember last year, Isaiah Simmons was one of the most hyped up draft prospects from the defensive uh, side that we've seen in quite some time because of his versatility as a linebacker and what he did at Clemson, basically being a pass rusher and a safety at the same time and dominating at both in college. Uh, His 4-4 speed was something that was Highly touted by scouts as to go along with his size that literally had him built like Julio Jones. He was literally called the Julio Jones of the defensive side. But obviously that didn't translate his rookie year. And I think a lot of that has to do with the defensive coordinator. And the lack of willingness to utilize Simmons to his full potential. You know, having Simmons just play linebacker is just not going to work out for either side. You know, Simmons is at most a good linebacker, but the main thing about Simmons is that he's a gadget. You know, he's essentially what Taysom Hill is on offense. He's a variable player that can use in a variety of ways. 
And I hope that this year they do look to more expand him into a secondary role as well. And occasionally throw him in nickel packages and have him in corner blitzes per se. And I really think he could become a dominant player on this defense if they go out of their way to expand the game plan and really adapt to what is the modern defensive systems today. You don't really see standard 3-4 defenses that don't throw an extra secondary piece uh, in their modern defensive set in today's game. The Cardinals should look to capitalize off the modern change to three safety sets by having Simmons run as a safety next to a guy like Buda Baker and whoever their other safety may be, whether that's Deontay Thompson, Chris Banjo, or someone else. I do think this would revolutionize the defense if Simmons does pan out. And if not, then, I mean, you know what you have and you move on. But I do think that it's really hard for me to say that running Simmons in a variety of options won't work because this is a really good football player. And I do think we saw some of that in the second half of the season. But in order for this defense to make the next step and take advantage of their great pass rush, they should go above and beyond to now complexify the defense and really try out a lot of things. Because now like they're going to get pass rush no matter what. It's going to be consistent. Like The offensive line can't just double team Chandler Jones anymore. And when even if you have guys that lock up J.J. Watt and Chandler Jones, Hassan Reddick isn't necessarily a guy that creates pressures himself, but he's essentially cleanup man. He's what Dante Fowler was to the Rams a couple years ago. And the same can be said about Marcus Golden, who, if you guys don't remember, had a really good year on the Giants a couple years ago. So aside from that, um, flipping to the offensive side, I think this is where the team somehow needs the most help. Kyler Murray is obviously the quarterback. There's no doubting that. Um, I think what might surprise people is that wide receiver is a position of need. DeAndre Hopkins is obviously there. And while people love Larry Fitzgerald and who doesn't, it's time to admit that Larry Fitzgerald is not Larry Fitzgerald anymore. And while he's still a decent receiver, you know, he still has those amazing hands. He really just isn't good enough to get this offense to the next level. And neither are guys like Christian Kirk or Andy Isabella. Kirk has his flashes of brilliance, but really just cannot stay consistent with the hands. And Isabella just really hasn't panned out to be what he was advertised to be as a multidimensional speed threat. And so that's why in my mock draft, I had this team trading up two spots to take Jalen Waddle uh, in the draft. And I really hope that the Cardinals can get a weapon like that. Of course, that's not the only hole, though. I think the offensive line definitely needs some reworking. I think Beecham and DJ Humphreys, the two tackles, were decent. But really where the problem lies is on the interior, where you have guys starting like Mason Cole at center and Justin Murray at guard um, and Justin Pugh at left guard. These guys just aren't good enough to get it done, and they do need some reestablishment within those trench areas. And while there isn't a ton of depth in this uh, interior line class, and frankly, I don't think there's a good enough one to take at 16 uh, where they're picking, I do think that you want to potentially take a shot on a guy in the second or third round. And, you know, maybe if there's like a free agent out there that fits your scheme, uh, definitely go out and bring him in. But they can't go into next season with the same 
exact O-line that they're going into. And finally, um, I would like to see them do something with the tight end position. This offense is so simplified. It's kind of sad because we thought we were getting some offensive mastermind in Cliff Kingsbury. But this team actually had the least motion on offense. Which is crazy and honestly makes me think more highly of Kyler Murray. Because defenses are so much smarter nowadays that you need some trickery and some motion in the backfield to really open up your offense and make it more multidimensional. And I didn't watch a ton of Cardinals games, but just going off the numbers that there's no motion on the team, it explains a lot of why this offense was stalled in games. Like I would just be on red zone and just notice like the Cardinals offense would be stuck in a funk for a while. And then maybe Kyler Murray does some like crazy throw to uh, DeAndre Hopkins and they get some points that way or like Christian Kirk or Isabella break off some crazy runs and they get some points that way. But still, for a team with so many gadget type of receivers that thrive off their athletic abilities rather than their receiving qualities, there again just isn't enough creativity on the offensive side of the football. And if Cliff Kingsbury wants to keep his job, he's going to have to think something up because... I mean, the Cardinals put their whole faith in Kingsbury, uh, putting it together with Kyler Murray. And Kyler Murray has held up his end of the bargain. He's an amazing quarterback. Uh, For being undersized, he's got a cannon of an arm, extremely accurate, is versatile with the run game, and he's like a brilliant runner. He, He literally looks like he's playing Madden when he's running. It's so much fun to watch. And now it's time for Kingsbury to step up. And now that they have a decent roster, in an NFC West that I think leaves a lot of confusion, it's time for the Cardinals to make something happen. So with that, let's transition into our next topic, which is basically just going over the quarterback market right now. And let's just start it off right quick. If I'm Russell Wilson and I notice J.J. Watt going to the Cardinals, I'm telling the Seahawks, get me my protection or get me out of here. This is like the last straw. This should be the last straw for Russell Wilson if they don't even attempt to help him in this situation. And I'm not talking bringing in rotational guys, you know, trade up. Go get one of these elite tackles in this draft class, uh, in a tackle-heavy class, and make it known that you do want to protect your quarterback. Because the Seahawks have been stuck, I feel like, in a loop of being good but not great. And... That really cannot be attributed to Russell Wilson, who before last season was debatably the best quarterback in the league. I would always still lean Mahomes, but I do think it's reasonable for people to think Russell Wilson uh, was the best before this uh, last season. And this year, you know, I think the hits got to him. Uh, this, like They started out great. Russell Wilson looked like a really easy early MVP favorite four or five weeks in. And then it just all collapsed. You know, he was getting hit a ton. He was forcing throws due to being constantly under pressure. And now we're here and we're talking about Russell Wilson. One of the best quarterbacks of the last decade potentially getting traded from Seattle. And I think that an interesting landing spot, and this is actually where I do predict that he ends up, I predict that Russell Wilson ends up in Chicago. I don't necessarily think this is the best fit of all the options. Personally, obviously Miami uh, or going to Sean Payton and New Orleans would be better fits for the type of player that he is. 
But with Chicago, you have a front office who I do think is desperate to win next year. Ryan Pace, the GM, and Matt Nagy, the head coach, are both in the final years of their contracts and are now looking to really solidify their positions and obviously keep their jobs. Who's Who wants to get fired? And if you're the Bears and if you're Ryan Pace, you just can't go into next season having Mitch Trubisky or Nick Foles or I would even go as far as to say just putting all your bread on a rookie quarterback to save your job. And they have the assets as far as picks go. And I think this team has the talent already there. Bring in Russell Wilson. Let's see what he can do with this offense. Bears O-line is equally pretty bad. But the Bears defense is something Russell Wilson hasn't had in 9, 10 years. And, you know, I do think the Bears defense is a little bit overrated and has fallen off over the years. But this is still a very good unit. I would say top 10 still. And with Russell Wilson there, I mean, how can you sit there and not think that the Bears would be an immediate contender for that division and potentially for the playoffs? And that would just make the um, NFC even more interesting. Because, yeah, the Seahawks have been good, but I don't think we've thought of the Seahawks as contenders realistically for a couple years now because of the lack of a defense and the fact that it the offensive line always breaks down uh, like it has during the season but even to a greater scale scale in the playoffs. I think you pair Russell Wilson with Matt Nagy who I still think is a pretty gifted offensive head coach. Uh, you have David Montgomery there, Tyree Cohen. Uh, I don't know if they bring back Allen Robinson. It's looking like he isn't coming back, but even without him, you have Darnell Mooney. I still really like Riley Ridley, the younger brother of Calvin Ridley. Um, Anthony Miller, who I think struggled last season with drops and such, but I do think he's still a good number two, number three target uh, with that speed. And obviously, you just drafted Cole Komet, the tight end out of Notre Dame last year. You still have Jimmy Graham there for another year, and I don't think Jimmy Graham's that great. But he was a pretty good red zone weapon this year. And I do think this could be a really good offense given the right quarterback. And Russell Wilson could easily be the right quarterback. This would allow the Bears to primarily just shift their entire focus to bolstering the offensive line. And not worry about much else. Because they already have a bunch of uh, units. Maybe pick up another receiver for cheap on free agency. Or in the late round of the draft if one of the guys kind of fall to you because I do think, again, this is a really talented free agency class and take it from there. And as far as the return, I think the initial price that was listed uh, by Bleacher Report and by other outlets was that the Seahawks would be at least looking for three first round picks. And come on, man, three first round picks for a generational quarterback like Russell Wilson, who's won a Super Bowl before. Uh, he should have been an MVP at some point in his career. Uh, there's just always been someone that plays above him. But he's an MVP caliber quarterback with a dynamic skill set. And he's won a Super Bowl. For three first round picks, you have to take that deal. Or you have to go for that deal, sorry. And you can't just let someone else take him. You know, I... Didn't like the fact that the Bears didn't make a move for Carson Wentz or Matthew Stafford. 
and figured maybe they were going after Watson. But again, what exactly do the Bears have that the Texans could possibly want for Deshaun Watson? But I think that you can salvage something with Russell Wilson because I do think there is some sort of rift in that organization. And I don't think the Seahawks would do Russ like the Texans are doing Deshaun. And given that the Seahawks do kind of need a rebuild uh, going forward because they're really not in a position to contend anytime soon with numerous holes on their defense and holes on their offense as well outside of DK Metcalf, Russell Wilson, and Tyler Lockett. This could be a really good chance for both teams to get what they need to go forward uh, with the future of their franchises. So we just talked about another quarterback that's on the trade market, and that is Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson has been, I mean, he's been everywhere as far as rumors have gone over the past couple weeks. And I really just, I don't know if there's actually an end to this coming anytime soon. Now, there was rumors that the Texans were interested in a top three pick, um, which again kind of points to Miami to getting that deal done. But given that Tua was an ownership pick by Miami, I do feel like the ownership does want to stick to, you know, the call they made to bring Tua into Miami and wants to focus on his long-term development with the multitude of assets that they have. And whether that's right or wrong, I don't know. I guess we won't know until it all pans out. Tua's still too young to write off, still has a really good skill set, and you still, you know, have all those picks. And if those picks all hit, then, or even if like half of them hit, then I think it's worth it. So with that being said, I just, I do not know if Deshaun Watson will actively get traded. And I know that's hard to think about, but the Texans being as stubborn as they are with their head coach acting like everything's okay, as well as their new GM, Casarios, um, just doesn't see an end to this in sight. And I feel bad for both parties because, you know, neither neither side deserves this. Except for, you know, Easterby and McNair, the guys that are really in charge of this whole thing, the owner and the CEO or whatever he calls himself. The new GM and the new head coach don't deserve this. Deshaun Watson certainly does not deserve this. And a lot of people say, well, he signed this massive contract, you know, a year year or two ago. Well, a year or two ago, they had Deshaun Watson, they had DeAndre Hopkins still, and they still had a formidable defense, and they had a good football team. I mean, this team, you know, yeah, they blew a 24-0 lead to Kansas City, but I mean, still, this was a good football team that looked like it was headed in a good direction, or at least that they would consistently be in the playoffs and compete for the chance to be in a Super Bowl. And now that whole franchise has just come come, come crumbling down in flames. Sorry. Um, and yeah, I, I can't really blame either side for this. Except for Easterby and McNair, of course. Now, I guess if there was a landing spot, I actually wouldn't think it would be Miami. I would think that it's rather going to be the Jets. And that's also because, you know, the willingness to win now. I think Robert Sala thinks that he can just coach up any defense, right? And honestly, I can't blame him. 
he took a bunch of role players in San Francisco as almost their entire starting defense except for, you know, a select few guys were injured. I believe they had something like 22 injuries on the defensive side, something like that. That might not be completely accurate, but uh, oh, they might have had just 22 injuries in total. All right, regardless, though, you know, I think Robert Solid thinks he can work with uh, any defense given the type of skill set and the players that he has rather than the individual talent. And if they fit his system, I think he believes he can get it done. With that being said, Deshaun Watson has always been one of the more perfect quarterbacks for someone or a team that runs a Shanahan offense. And given that they got Mike LaFleur from San Francisco, this would be another perfect fit for him schematically. And, you know, even if you have to sacrifice your first round picks, there's still value in the later rounds of the draft. You just need to be smart, which I do think Salah and LaFleur are both very intelligent minds. And I do think this offense has some nice pieces to it. I'm still... I'm a big fan of LaMichael Perrine, the running back that they got last year. I like Denzel Mims a lot. Um, Brashad Perriman's not that great, but he's a solid number two or three option for a team without that much talent on the receiving end. Uh, Chris Herndon and Jamison Crowder aren't great, but I do think, for one, that they're better pieces than what he had to work with in Houston last season. And you saw he put up MVP-like statistics there. So there's no reason for me to believe that he can't do that in New York. But for my final verdict, I just don't know where this is headed. So I will say that Deshaun Watson will not be traded by the end of the NFL draft. And if it does happen, it's going to be messy for one because obviously Watson's made it very clear he doesn't want to be there and that um, he's willing to sit out regular season games if need be. So let's, you know, move on to another quarterback that's thought to be on the trade market, and that is Jimmy Garoppolo. And Jimmy Garoppolo is very interesting here because there's conflicting reports on both sides, and no one really knows what's up with him. I think Jimmy Garoppolo is a good quarterback, but is never going to be great. He's someone that's really stuck to the pocket. You know, while he shows a slight, like a slight level of mobility, there really isn't a lot to it. Um, And even in the pocket, you know, he really doesn't show much motion. You know, what makes Tom Brady so great in the pocket uh, against the Jimmy Garoppolo is that Tom Brady moves really smart within the pocket. You know, even with with the lack of mobility, he still knows how to get around the pocket and get to the right spots. Whereas Jimmy Garoppolo can really be heavily affected by pressure. And obviously, you know, Jimmy G just has lapses of bad accuracy. With that being said, um, you know, if he ends up anywhere, I think at this point he ends up either in Houston or in New England. And I don't think that San Francisco has a real shot at Deshaun Watson. And I guess the ideal spot would be New England then. But again, um, I do think Belichick is fond of Jared Stidham. And I do think he wants to give him a chance. And again, I don't know if Belichick is willing to sacrifice assets in order to get a quarterback that he already traded away. 
you know, the idea behind Jimmy G to New England is strictly based off the fact that Belichick likes Jimmy G. And there's literally nothing else to put some more credibility to it. And um, San Francisco has maintained the stance that Jimmy Garoppolo will be their starting quarterback on opening day. And that may be true. I do still think they go out and get a quarterback in the draft um, in order to take the next step with the offense because, you know, they don't face any dead cap penalties with Jimmy G's contract. Uh, They could cut him right now and they wouldn't. But I do think they'll let him play one more year and then look to either move him or cut him because they don't face any cap penalties for it. But yeah, another QB that I think is getting a lot of buzz but I just don't think ends up going anywhere. And, um, okay, we'll end with Marcus Mariota, another quarterback that's been rumored to go to the Patriots. And uh, I just, again, I just don't think that this would happen. You know, Marcus Mariota does carry somewhat of a price tag. I believe he's making, you know, 9 or $10 million. And I think, you know, I do really believe that Belichick would rather pay Cam Newton the $785,000 he was paying him last year rather than, you know, paying $10 million to uh, Marcus Mariota. And I don't think Mariota is that much better than Cam, even though Cam had a rough season to where it's like a necessary thing. And again, just the idea that you stick with Stidham and give him at least a shot because it's, again, based off the idea that Belichick likes this quarterback. And I do feel like, you know, if you're not giving Stidham a shot this year, you basically have to cut him. And I guess this is kindly turn, uh, somewhat turned into like a Patriots talk. Um, but, yeah, that's basically my takes on the Patriots quarterback situation. Either you get uh, give Stidham a chance or you cut him. And there's really no real... Uh, there's no real merit to the idea that Jimmy G is going to the Pats and the idea that trading for Marcus Mariota is kind of stupid in my opinion. I just don't think he offers that much more than Cam Newton and at a much bigger price tag. So I guess that's really all I have for today. Um, if you guys like the content, be sure to share with your friends. Always subscribe. I'll be back with more content very soon. I actually have a podcast dropping with my good friend Christy tomorrow. It's going to be mainly about Cavaliers basketball. As you guys know, I really want to get in touch with as many teams as I can or, you know, as many fan bases as I can. And so tomorrow we're going to center on the Cavs, you know, the rebuild of the team, um, the progress of some of their young players. And, yeah, it's going to be very fun. So I'll talk to you guys then. That's all I have for today. Thank you for listening. Good night.